you should expect to feel better. You should expect more to be done for you. It's, to me, it's like you're paying for a service, whether you're using your insurance or cash. You should expect something to be better because that's what a doctor's job is to do. Hey guys, welcome back to the Digest This podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Albert Chung, who is a certified colon and rectal surgeon specializing in hemorrhoids, colorectal cancer, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, diverticulitis, anal fissures, and more. In our interview, we hone in on the topic of hemorrhoids specifically and discuss what they are, natural ways to treat them, ways to prevent them, and what we've been doing wrong all along. Pregnant women tend to get them a lot, as well as those who have jobs sitting for long periods of time. So if you suffer or know someone who has suffered in this area, please share this episode with them. Over 16,000 research studies on sodium lauryl sulfate have shown links to irritation of the skin and eyes, organ toxicity, developmental reproductive toxicity, neurotoxicity, endocrine disruption, and biochemical or cellular changes. That is just one of many toxic ingredients found in almost all laundry detergents and cleaning soaps. What we wash our clothes and sheets with is just as important as what we put on our bodies and in it. And it plays a major factor in our internal and external health. It can affect our digestive system, hormones, immune system, and thinking, as well as skin issues. That's why switching to a truly non-toxic laundry detergent is so important. If you haven't heard of Truly Free Home, then listen up. Truly Free Home's non-toxic and eco-friendly laundry detergent is free from all thickeners, dyes, optical brighteners, synthetic fragrances, and other harmful chemicals. It's available in plant-based essential oil scents or entirely unscented. And every first order arrives with a forever jug that is BPA-free, and all future orders are refills, making less waste. Plus, you get free shipping. Truly Free Home is offering my listeners 300 free laundry loads and no subscription is required. Just click on the link in the show notes and get 300 free laundry loads and it will be automatically applied. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Chung, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. I've got to tell you. Thank you. Well, I have a lot of people interested in hemorrhoids in particular because that seems to be something that uh, a lot of people are struggling with or have struggled with in the past, particularly uh, uh, people that have um, had babies that are pregnant. And so um, first of all, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself and tell people who you are? Thank you for the opportunity. I am uh, Dr. Albert Chung. I'm a board-certified colon and rectal surgeon, and I have a practice here in Orange County, California, in Santa Ana. And I just specialize in the bottom-end conditions. Um, Usually people like me do the belly surgeries and stuff like that, but I've found that people need time devoted to them when they come in with their eyes wide open, freaking out that they, for example, have blood coming out of their bottom end. And so I've kind of developed a space and a practice where people can be heard and also learn how to take care of themselves. I love that. And it's 
it's, I feel like it's such a taboo subject, hemorrhoids, um, but they're just so common and just no one's really wanting to talk about them. And if they do, they don't know what questions to ask and where to go. So we're going to try and break everything down today. So first, let's talk about the different types of hemorrhoids because there are internal, external, and then there's the external ones are thrombosed, I believe. Um, can you just explain a little bit of the diversity here? Sure. First, let me say that everybody's born with hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids really are a normal anatomic body part, just like our arms and legs. So they're blood vessels that line the inside of our anus. The internal and external words just help us to locate and, you know, anatomically, what part of the body are you talking about, Dr. Chung? I'm talking about the inside hemorrhoids versus the outside. And like you said, yeah, different problems occur with different geographic locations like external can be thrombos, which means the blood clots, which are really painful. And the internal ones usually also have swelling. They can have blood clots too. That's a little bit more uncommon, but usually the painless bleeding. I mean, that's more like, that's the kind of stuff you read online, but definitely it's very hard to diagnose them yourselves um, because it's very hard to see there. So that's where it's very helpful for someone like me to tease that out. So interesting. Yeah. Well, so what causes hemorrhoids? Yeah. So when someone says, I've got hemorrhoids, that means I'm having a flare, you know, we're having a fight. And there's lots of different things that you'll see on the internet, right? I don't think we need to go through that whole list, but it's essentially the blood, whatever can make the blood vessels or the hemorrhoids pop or they get, that's how they get injured. And then when the body sees that injury, that's where the immune system comes in and then wants to heal the damage. So lots of things from chemicals from our food, things like straining, how we treat our hemorrhoids on the toilet and, you know, what we're doing in terms or how our texture of our textures of our stools are, whether they're hard or diarrhea, for example. Okay. So um, just... I'm obviously not an expert, but from what I've heard is that constipation and diarrhea, chronic constipation and diarrhea uh, can cause hemorrhoids. Is that true? Yes. In my opinion, those, the anus only likes soft stools and they're very particular people. I kind of personify them. It helps me and it helps my patient (laughs) understand but they don't like the extremes. Um, So what I define as soft is... You get to the firmer end of soft where it's formed, it has shape, but ideally is very smooth on the outside. The fewer the cracks, the better. And if you go to the looser end of soft, it can be formed, but then completely just separates or blows apart in the water or like frozen yogurt. Anything outside either of those extremes, the anus hates you for it. Interesting. Okay. Um, And can, can stress cause hemorrhoids? I believe absolutely it can. Um, There's a lot that stress is, well, stress is very hard to study and quantify, you know, and it's so different for everybody. It's very subjective and the physical manifestations of stress are even, there's very difficult to attribute to stress. So things like your, uh, the way your muscles are coordinated when your bowel move, when you're having the poop. You know, are you relaxing? Are you stressing out certain muscles? Are you not allowing that channel to open up to nerve function of your bowel transit? Are things moving faster because of stress or are you they moving slower? All these things kind of 
I believe are very much attributable and can create hemorrhoid issues. Yeah, that's the body is so connected. And I know just, just from knowing stress and my personal experience is that when you are stressed, it does affect how you, your tummy feels. Sometimes you'll just get bloated or when people are nervous, they'll get constipated or vice versa. And then that trickles down constipation, as we just talked about, you know, can cause hemorrhoids. So it's a little domino effect because I, stress maybe could not directly cause the hemorrhoid, but what stress does to the digestive system therefore causes. Oh yeah. I mean, stress also causes reflux. So acid base imbalances. And then, you know, people notice that when they're stressed and they're eating, the food doesn't go down the same way and then also exit the same way either. And then Mm -hmm. of course, everything in between like cramping, gassiness and bloating, you know, and that's why a lot of patients get very, it's very tough to build some consistency rules. Like sometimes when I eat this, it does that, but not every time. And it's mm-hmm. super frustrating for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what about sitting too long on the toilet? I think a lot of people maybe just browse, scroll on their phone and just kind of hang out there. Is that not a good thing? Oh my gosh. Um, It's not great on the toilet. I mean, so people ask me like, hey, Dr. Chung, I sit on my chair for like 10 hours a day. I'm looking at my phone. Why why is it so bad on the toilet? Like Mm -hmm. I'm sitting down either way. And the difference is that in the toilet, you have a huge hole in the middle. And also you don't take a bowel movement on your office chair, right? So the first thing that happens in the bowel movement is that your anus actually drops towards the ground, there's some distance that it travels. So that means more blood pools there. And then if you're sitting there after the blood is pooling in your anus, your anus continues to swell. And so if you have hemorrhoids already, especially that can really make things uncomfortable. And then, but on the office chair, you know, your anus is not lowered to the ground because it's everything is tight. That's to ideally to not have an accident. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's completely different. You don't have that hole there and you just didn't do the action there either. But for sure, like that, I tell people, you know, one helpful tip is to try and get off the toilet is just throw your phone by the bathroom door, you know, and then use that as your incentive. As soon as you're done with your business, then go get it. You know, you deserve it. There you go. <laughs> so, okay, so... A lot of people, um, they they say what, that sitting on a donut, like if you are sitting on an office chair and sitting on a donut is beneficial, but is that actually harmful? So this is a huge controversy. I'm, so I'll, for, I'll say first right out, uh, I have a video on my YouTube channel about how I hate these. I wish they were, I wish they could all be burned. It helps some people and I tell people just try it out and see, but because the sits bath and the toilet, that tub thing is still a hole in the middle. It's not great for you. So you should get off of that thing. Just even sitting on the flat tub where there's no hole there or getting up and laying down on the bed. I think that is much better for your hemorrhoids to recover from the bowel movement rather than allowing them to swell and stay swollen. Gotcha. Okay. So, well, while we're on the topic, what home treatment, what 
Let's talk about some home treatments for hemorrhoids and then also what not to do because you did just mention a few things. So let's kind of go through those. Sure. Home treatments, um, I, I think like one of the things that's actually you touched on a really big misconception is like when you're treating your, when people think of treating their hemorrhoids, it means they go away, which is not exactly what people would expect when they say they go away, meaning there's a complete reversal you know, the hemorrhoid is swollen, it shows up. And then when it's gone, that means it's completely disappeared. Like it never happened before. And that's not true. What happens is that they they swell up and then they swell back down, but they're never the same size they used to be. Each time you piss them off, they're going to get a little bit bigger each time. So that's the first thing we got to know because with time, even with any the best treatment in the world, you're going to get hemorrhoids to enlarge eventually. So that's one thing I want to set up okay. there first is that the expectation they're going to disappear with a treatment um, is kind of misleading. So home remedies would be like, uh, I've heard of lots of different things without going to the pharmacy, like turmeric. I've heard of um, chopped garlic, Whoa. Of, like natural aloe vera, applying that. Um, and then, of course, like creams like desitin going on there. Um, I also partner with Pranicura on my YouTube channel, and that's something that people have found to be incredibly helpful as well. But those are the big things. And then laying down, um, setting allowing gravity to, you know, dissipate. So leveling out your hemorrhoids, let the blood go back into your body so that you don't feel the swelling so much anymore. Um, those are some big natural remedies there that you can try for sure, other than seeing a doctor, you know? Okay. I've also heard putting a raw sliced potato there and just, I don't know if you've ever heard that. It, it, it was... Very random, but they're like, yeah, it totally works. I don't know. Wow. Um, I have yet to try that one. I haven't <laughs> heard that one either. Raw Just thought I'd... Would... Wow, that's awesome. Um, I don't know. So uh, yeah, don't take my advice for it, all listeners, but that's just <laughs> some random stuff. Oh yeah, I think, um, you know, if you want to try stuff like that, it's completely safe to do so, to be honest with you. I, I don't recommend putting it inside your anus, like a raw potato, maybe a cooked potato or mashed potato. I mean, you, I mean, you could try it. I don't know. I, um, but I'll tell you one thing is sugar, okay? Um, plain sugar, okay? I, I'm not sure if this also applies for like NutraSweet or Splenda, but if you have bulging giant hemorrhoids that come to the outside, they come to the ER, for example, one way to try and reduce them quickly is actually to just pour sugar on it and just put pressure on the outside of it to try and get them kind of like as if you're trying to get them to go back in. And how that works is that sugar pulls in water, pulls water out. So that inflammation, that swelling on the outside can be absorbed by the sugar and then hopefully decrease the swelling. Wow, so interesting. So just the common bleached white table sugar. Yeah, just some granulated sugar from the store. Okay. Pour it all over and then just put pressure on it. Absolutely. That's something we do in the ER. Okay. Is that only for like when it first arrives? What if you've had it for a couple of weeks? Yeah, usually it's when the first attack, when the attack first shows up. 
And that usually works better for internal hemorrhoids because, you know, they don't have that skin protective layer. Mm-hmm. It won't really work for external hemorrhoids. Um, but the internal hemorrhoids have got that mucus intestinal lining. And that's where you can pull the water out and reduce some swelling. It's worth a shot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and what about diet? Does diet play a role in it? Should you add more fiber? Should you take less fiber away? Does that have anything, any help? I'm laughing because fiber is all over the internet. And the funny thing is, is that I, you know, part of my training is fiber is essential to having a healthy anus, right? And when you listen to the patients, when I listen to my patients, so many of them tell me I actually feel worse with fiber. And it's when I look back on my training, it's like, God, that is so funny. Why am I just noticing this now? I probably just ignored them because I just figured the textbooks must be right. And so what I've learned from my experience is that there is a right amount of fiber for everybody. Not everyone is the same. And some people, they don't need fiber. Fiber actually makes them feel terrible. And I think that finding that, starting small and then gradually increasing it and looking for that right amount, titrating it in other words, is essential, which takes time. But you don't want to overshoot, don't want to essentially... You know, fiber can be thought of as almost like toxic to some people because it's so, it makes them so symptomatic in a negative way. I 100% agree. I could, yeah, I am right there with you, Dr. Chung. Um, when I went, because I had, a, like, I'm still a little bit in the in the midst of having this hemorrhoid. Um, but when I, when it first came on, I went to my family practitioner and she just was like, really up your fiber, take Metamucil, take um, what's the other, what, psyllium husk and all this stuff. And I know from my just digestive history, fiber wrecks me. Like especially fiber supplements like psyllium husk and the other stuff, right? So knowing my body, I did not listen to her advice and just completely up my fiber. I may have added a few natural foods that contain a little bit more fiber because just like you said, if you introduce fiber, if you're not used to fiber and then all of a sudden you're eating 30, 40 grams of additional fiber yes, in 24 hours, that's going to cause so much pain. Oh my God. I mean, if you pour 30, 40 grams out on the table and you look at it, you're like, oh my God, do I eat that much of anything in my diet? That's insane. And the thing is, is many people, uh, well, the general practice is if you want to maintain anal health, just like exercising every day for your heart, it's good for it. You know, you got to do this every day on a regular basis. So how do you keep this up? And if you feel so bad, so that's why, you know, it just, Patients always tell me, like, just exactly what you said, I'm fiber. I had no idea how bad it would be. And for doctors to, you know, have the patient return for a second visit, right? And they say, how are things going? And the patient will say, oh, God, doctor, like, my poop is actually harder after I started the fiber, but I'm taking, I'm doing it. I'm, mm. I'm taking so much every day. And the doctor says, your anus, is it better? And you say, oh, no, it's like still hurting me. It's still terrible. And they'll say, is what they'll say is amazing. Most of them will say, 
well, keep taking that fiber, okay? Or they'll say, I don't think you're taking it. Why don't you? What about natural foods? Are you getting fiber that way too? Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to up. It's like the, I'll tell you, I, there is I, some of the conspiracy, one of my conspiracy theories. The fiber companies marketing have done such a great job with this stuff. It's, it's um, the research is all there, but it's such a, it's in every textbook. It's in every website. It's in all the commercials for food, like fiber, this, but it's the biggest conspiracy. And there's, I think there's something wrong with that when something, there's no such thing as a thing that's too good, you know? No, I am right there with you. And especially if you're upping your fiber, if you are, you have to start actually drinking more water because <laughs> yes. maybe you're not drinking enough water to compensate. And in my mind, fiber is almost like a plug in your colon and it's plugging you up. <laughs> um, so maybe some more oils or, you know, little oily foods or eggs and avocados or things like that. The thing about fiber is like, say you're taking Metamucil and there's a psyllium husk, right? So you've got the non-soluble and the soluble fibers and they do different things. So the soluble means in water, that's what keeps your poop soft. And then the non-soluble stuff is what builds bulk for people like diarrhea. So they don't have loose stools all the time, but it also can, like you said, make it a plug. It makes your poop huge. If you don't gain enough water, it will constipate you. So you just need to be aware, you know? If you're on a budget but still need to care for your gut health like me, it can be costly, but at the same time, I am willing to do and pay anything if it can benefit my digestion. That's why I am super excited to finally announce that you can get my digestive support protein powder delivered monthly at 20% off always for reoccurring deliveries. The testimonies from my digestive protein have touched my heart and each new one that comes in brightens my day. Heather C. writes, the best protein for gut health. I was very skeptical when first purchasing this protein, but now I use it on a daily basis. And Mira N. wrote, I have a very delicate gut and the slightest disturbance can spiral into episodes of abdominal pain, bloating, gas, and all the mental issues that come with it. The protein powder has been a lifesaver very gentle on my tummy and allows me to achieve my daily protein intake goal. Thank you, Bethany, for this amazing clean product. If you are also one to have the most sensitive tummy and have tried everything looking for answers, give my protein a chance. I personally created it with NuZest, only allowing the best of the best ingredients and eliminating all common gut irritants. So there's no gums, flavorings, artificial sweeteners, or lectins flavored with real organic vanilla beans and cacao, plus the addition of bacillus coagulans and L-glutamine, two ingredients proven by third-party studies to help rebuild the gut lining and aid in digestion. We regularly third-party test for lead and heavy metals, ensuring the cleanest pea protein. I would not put my name on anything I wasn't proud of or wouldn't eat myself, and I consume my own protein every day. My listeners get 35% off your first order when you subscribe to a canister delivered to your doorstep monthly. That's just 12 tubs per year and a happy tummy 365 days a year. Head on over to newss-usa.com and use code digestsub to get 35% off. That's 
N-U-Z-E-S-T-U-S-A.com and use code DIGESTSUB for 35% off. That's digest, S-U-B. Now let's talk a little bit about the size ranges and what to look for when you have one because they can definitely range in size, correct? Yes, absolutely. So the internal ones is what that grading system that you read about is is for, grade one to four. And then the, so one is just slightly enlarged and then grade four is where they're popping out and they just stay out. And the bigger they, overall, the bigger they get, the more larger the blood vessels, the hemorrhoids are themselves, and they're more sensitive to injury, more fragile, and they tend to get more attacks with them because they're not as robust as when they are grade one, which is what you were born with, essentially. The external hemorrhoids, they don't have a grading system, but essentially, if you look on the outside of your bottom end and you see them swollen up, that's how we pretty much can say, you know, how big they are. And either either one, in my opinion, you know, whether to intervene on them, which you'll probably talk about later, um, that's where that comes into play. Okay. And yeah, I do want to talk about that. Um, so first of all, when, let's talk about when to see a doctor versus, okay, you know what it is. Okay, I got a hemorrhoid. Do you see a doctor right away or when it, when do you call your doctor and say like, I think I need to check this out a little bit more? Yeah, I think that's one of, I, that's a really, really tough question, a scary question, right? I mean, I think people know when to go to see a doctor when they have an infection on their arm a lot more than if they have something going on with their bottom end, right? The information out there is just, seems like it's just to scare people to come in and if there's any problem down there, it, it, mean, it must mean that you have anal or colon rectal cancer, right? I think um, that's what I'm trying to do is educate people so that they have some confidence in their body and they don't their anxiety doesn't go through the roof for mm-hmm. sure. But I'd say that if you are concerned, just go see somebody. That's the number one thing, you know, don't let, cause the anal, I'm telling you, everyone that walks into my door is freaked out outside their mind. And if don't live with that anxiety every day, if you're concerned, if you've got some blood coming out and you're like, oh my God, what is that? Get it checked out. I think that's the biggest thing. Other than that, of course, if you have lots of bleeding, if you have pain in your bottom and something's swollen and you don't know what the heck that is, for sure, that would be another great reason. I don't think there is a bad reason to see a doctor, for sure. Mm-hmm. Great. And then if if you Google this, right, because I've, I've obviously done it myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, if you Google, you know, the typical time it takes for a hemorrhoid to go away, what pops up for me is like two to seven days, you know, that's typical. Well, is that really typical, two to seven days for it to go away? Yeah, so- it's relative to the the type of hemorrhoid flare that you have and how bad it is, right? Um, if your hemorrhoid is just a you know just a small little dent, you know, and if I were to try and met- make a metaphor comparison, then yeah, two to seven days, you'll feel like I feel better now. I I totally forgotten about it, you know, because I've recovered. And then other people may have a bigger flare, more bleeding. Um, it lasts for several days or, or two weeks. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that things are getting worse or not getting better. And that's where I feel like 
seeing a physician would help clarify. But yes, I think on average, it takes up to one month for these hemorrhoids to get completely over their a flare. Why? Because the anus sees so much action in there. You know, it mm-hmm. has a job to do, which is very, it's a full contact sport, you know, <laughs> in a, on your arm, if you were to get a scratch, you can bandage yeah. it up and you can, you don't have to touch it. It's totally, yeah. you know, and, but the anus, it has to do a job. It's, it's a really rough life for that, for that guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you are having a bowel movement every day, it's constantly being, I guess, irritated. Unlike what you said, if a scratch on your arm, you can just not use it or Exactly. We've got to give our anus some credit, some <laughs> LC. You know, it's it's not the easiest thing to have to do. Or even if you go poop three times a day, you know, that's just yeah. your body's daily rhythm and it's okay. But, you know, try to have some patience. Okay. So if anyone's going through it right now, have some patience a month. Can they last for several months? Can they last six months? I'd say that's... For a typical flare, no. And so if that's going on, definitely see somebody. You know, I'd say um, if you're having a flare and things are getting better, right? Meaning either the pain is getting a little less every single day, but even if you have a gap of one or two days, like, oh my God, I think I'm set free. I'm totally good. And then you have a little bit of bleeding or a tiny bit of pain with the next bowel movement. That is that can be okay. Overall, you know, if you go from week to week, if you're seeing improvements, things are going getting better. I'd say that's a fair sign that you're going to be all right. But if things stretch on for like three, four months, I, I do not think that's normal. Okay. Uh, well, let's go into surgery. Because there is surgery that can be done if you have an extreme hemorrhoid. Um, So first of all, is surgery for everyone and should only a specialized doctor like yourself perform it or is a family practitioner okay to do it? Yeah, so um, my my opinion on surgery, even though I'm a surgeon and I'm biased, like everyone thinks that's all I want to do, right? (laughs) It's hurt people in their bottom ends. But I have a full length, conversation and tell the patient the truth. This surgery sucks. This surgery recovery is awful. And the thing is, is that I'm not the one that has to go through recovery. You are. So I need to make sure that you understand what you're putting yourself through. And the big thing is people can have ginormous hemorrhoids, like the Google popping out hemorrhoids. And if they feel like they can live their quality of life out. They can do things that they need to do without too much discomfort, then they don't need surgery. And then there's the other spectrum where there's this little ditzel and they said, Dr. Chung, like get this thing out of me. It bugs the crap out of me. I can't, you know, I keep thinking about it. I'm obsessed with it. I want it gone. And I'll say, sure, I can absolutely help you with that. But this is what the recovery is. So to me, it's about quality of life. When you're sitting down on the couch or you know, lying in bed moaning about the pain, is that was it worth it? You know, or are you thinking like, you know what? My life was actually pretty good before the surgery. I have no idea what I'm doing here. And that's where the light at the end of the tunnel kind of goes dark. 
and their mm-hmm. mind can go to dark places because they were not truly convinced for themselves that this is what they needed. Well, let's talk about the surgery recovery. What what should someone expect? Yeah, very good question. So, um, expect it to be painful recovery, but it should get better little by little every day. Okay, and. Really, the infection rate is less than 1%. Life-threatening bleeding is less than 1%. It's considered to be an outpatient and safe surgery. So from that perspective, you know, it's on the surface, it seems like, well, okay, I want my hemorrhoids gone. But trust me, you want a surgeon who was going to be supportive and coach you through and kind of also hold your hand through this because the pain is really, really intense. And so what I do with my patients is actually call them myself and make sure that their pain is controlled, make sure that they're pooping on time. You don't want to be constipated going through this recovery, but the pain is 24-7 and it hurts a lot. Okay. <laughs> now, now, now I'm all like nervous here. Um so what what would be a recovery time? Like a couple weeks, a couple months? Yeah. So I tell people the first stage of the recovery, which is the hardest, is the first 10 to 14 days. Um, and that's where most of the pain um, kind of simmers down a bit. And the people are finally able to kind of move about freely, you know, take longer walks, need less pain medication. And then at four weeks... Um, things are, you're almost feeling normal again. You're about 80, 90% there. Two months, your wounds are all healed. So two months, you should be fully recovered and healed, no pain. Correct. Okay. And then would you say the first two weeks, are you laying in bed? Are you, do you need to take like two weeks off of work? How, what is that like? Yeah, I'd say on average, um, it's budget two weeks off from work just because, you know, using the bathroom and having your own space is really convenient. But um, I'd say that most people go back in two weeks. But that's where I feel like, um, you know, having that supportive surgeon by your side to help you is really, um, really important and for your success to be able to get to work on time. Mm-hmm. Now, is there pain medication that you personally give your patients? And also just knowing from past surgeries, pain medication does constipate you. So isn't that like a catch 22? <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. Everything's got its positive and negative, positive and negatives, right? It's about balancing them out. But you don't let, you can't let the patient, I can't let my patient fend for themselves. I say, here, here's the stuff, here's everything, have at it. That doesn't make any sense. You, the patient's going to have a million questions because I've been through the hemorrhage recovery with patients like a thousand times. But that patient, that person who's gone through the surgery has never been through anything like that. So yes, I definitely, so the, my pain management is number one, at the uh, during surgery, I give injections um, there's one pain medication that lasts about six to eight hours. That one takes out pretty much all, all of the pain. Then there's a second injection called Expirel, and that one lasts about 40 to 72 hours. That takes away about 50% of the pain. And then on top of that, I prescribe creams, 
I prescribe narcotic pain medication, heavy duty stuff. And I call the patient and I help them manage their pain regimen so that, you know, they're not completely, um, you know, out, you know, overdosed. And also so that they're not crying on the bathroom floor, paralyzed because of the pain. Okay. And what is the pain like? Is it like pooping glass? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what, what, you know, what is it? Yeah, it, the pain. So just sitting there, there's pain because of the work that was done on your bottom end, the stitching and the cutting and things like that, right? So the pain is inside, it's it's a very deep pressure. The outside pain is like somebody who just you know made a nice cut there or several cuts. And so that's very searing, sharp pain that's constant. Then when you have bowel movements, that stuff flares up all of it because there's something now rubbing against the wounds, right? And so that's where the pain medication, the coaching is extremely important. Um, and I am, you're right, I am, proud. this is the worst advertisement for surgery <laughs> ever, but I, I do this with all of my patients. Like no one should come to me looking for this surgery just because they've just because they think it's like a cosmetic procedure. No one mm-hmm. should be in my, it's not worth it. And um, I appreciate your honesty because a lot of doctors I feel like aren't as honest as you. And obviously you're still in business and people are still getting them and you know, your practice is still, um, still going. Can you explain the different types of surgery options? Because there are a few different ones, right? Yeah, there are. And some of them are kind of new and emerging stuff. So the traditional one and the one that I believe in is the hemorrhoidectomy. Uh, And that's where the surgeon will cut out the biggest hemorrhoids and then stitch you back together. Um, I also do a combination of uh, burning hemorrhoids as well, too, because if they're not big enough, I don't need to subject you to the pain of cutting and stitching. But that, in my opinion, produces the best long-term results. And the thing that I don't want patients to go through is recurrence of prolapse. So meaning that hemorrhoid that was coming out in the past, that should not come back. You know, that's what I would deem, I would consider to be a failure of the surgery. So there's another other new emerging things like um, THD or Doppler hemorrhoid surgery. They use that to cut the blood supply off to the hemorrhoids, and then they do some stitching, which um, but there's no cutting of the hemorrhoids, and there's no work done to the outside of your hemorrhoids. And to not get into the nitty gritty, but that one is marketed as oh less pain, go back to work faster. There's also laser hemorrhoid surgery, which is also new and emerging, where they put in this laser probe into the hemorrhoids and essentially cook it and then make it shrink. But the problem I have with those alternative surgeries is, is that recurrence of prolapse, you know, a recurrence of your hemorrhoids is more common. And that is, to me, is a failure. I mean, if I'm, try, if I'm a salesman trying to sell hemorrhoid surgeries and I don't, you know, tell the patient, your hemorrhoids are big, sir, ma'am. And if I can make your recovery very nice, but I don't tell you that your hemorrhoids can come back later, you might have failed, you might have to do another surgery again. Would you choose that surgery? And that's something for the patient to answer. I 
appreciate again your honesty because yeah, I know that there is laser options that's new and emerging and um, I'm sure everyone, if you do have hemorrhoids, you've looked into different options. Um, so I did have a question and I, I believe you answered it. Can they come back? Yeah, hemorrhoids can always grow back. The thing with hemorrhoid surgery is that I cannot get rid of all your hemorrhoids, 360 degrees. If some surgeon were to cut them all out, you actually can develop a very severe complication and it's called anal stenosis. Essentially, the anus turns into a pencil hole canal and it's all scar tissue. So your anus is not stretchy and able to open up. It's like contracted down to a tiny little hole. So you have to leave hemorrhoids behind and they will grow back. But yes, if you don't treat them right, they will enlarge again. So the big thing about my office is that I spend the time with people. I spend an hour with patients. Like patients will just come with a simple little hemorrhoid, but you know, I spend an hour with you because I don't ever want to see you again in my <laughs> office. That's my goal. Like if you a patient were to keep seeing you for hemorrhoid you know, for any issue, like that's because your problem is complicated or they're not doing a good job, right? I mean, if you're broke, if your TV is broken and you keep sending your TV back in every month, there's something wrong with the TV repair guy. And so I think that you got to equip your patient to learn what are you, what's, what feedback can I give you to help you be more successful and prevent hemorrhoid flares? Because if they don't get pissed off, then you can avoid these guys from growing. You can maintain your hemorrhoids. Even if you think you have bad hemorrhoids now, imagine if they got worse, your life would be more complicated. But if you can keep them the same, yes, you can, you know, you can sustain whatever happiness you have now, that quality of life. So that's absolutely essential. Yeah. And I appreciate that too. When I did see you in person, you did spend quality time with me and um, I think everyone deserves that. Um, so are there any risks leaving a hemorrhoid untreated, if any risks? No, um, in my opinion, no. As long as it's not producing any symptoms, but you have this giant ball coming out of your bottom end, for example, right? If it's not causing you problems, then what's, what's going to force your hand to do something about it, like a surgical or medical procedure? Nothing. It just, it, it just sits there. Um, it's just happy to say hi. That's it, you know? Um, Unless it's bleeding or, you know, some sort of more serious issue. Right. Or if it's bothering you for whatever reason, that this may not necessarily be a health concern. It's just, you know, on your mind, it's freaking you out. Um, but that's where I feel like, the, you know, because every procedure I do can cause complications and like, just because you have something there doesn't mean a surgeon needs to go in there and do something to you, you know, to your body. And again, this is like the worst commercial for a surgeon ever. Like <laughs> this guy, I don't think this guy's a surgeon. This guy just <laughs> does not want to do anything. But my point is, is that I want you to be fully aware of what my decision making in my head is. I need to explain to you what I'm capable of doing. And I need to match that with your goals. Like if the patient comes in and tells me, I've got this thing dangling here, but it doesn't, doesn't bother me. I mean, I just want to know what it is. And I'll tell the patient, like, you know what? 
it's totally fine to leave it there. You can keep living like that. And the patient will be happy because that's what they wanted in the first place was nothing to be done. Mm-hmm. And then other people want something done. And then I tell them, you know, these are the things I can do for you. These are the pros and cons. What would you like to do? And what questions do you have? Yeah, yeah. And I think we've, we kind of covered this, but I just want to make sure, are there any ways to prevent them? Just lifestyle changes, things like that. Yeah, and this is, this is um, so basic things are, number one, keep your stool textures soft in that soft range, number one. That's one of the number one causes for hemorrhoid flare-ups. The next thing is your toileting habits, you know, so not sitting on the toilet long, not straining, blah, blah, blah. And then the other thing is how are you, what are the, the mechanics of your pooping? So are you tightened down? Are you stressed? Are your muscles relaxed enough as things opening up so that the poop can easily come out? Besides those things, which is what all over, pasted all over the internet, that's where I feel like this conversation with me matters, you know, and because I can see like, for example, um, some patient will have had a, hem- a huge hemorrhoid flare with fissures because of a very stressful point in their life. And they were going through a divorce, they're moving to jobs, you know, all these different things. You know, there's emotional issues that happen. There's changes with, um, you know, your your eating habits, you know, you're are starting a new workout routine. So now you've gone protein heavy. It's just so many other factors that only come out if you spend the time with people. And oh. so the typical surgeon would just, you know, and I used to be the same way. We only spend like 10, 15 minutes with you. Oh, it's just hemorrhoids. All right. See you later. Eat your fiber and bye. See you whenever it bothers you again. And I think that doesn't set the patient up for success. And I, I believe that's why you did leave your your previous job and start your own practice so that you had control of how much time you could spend with each patient. Oh, absolutely. You know, I just realized that people with bottom end conditions were being, you know, shafted time, attention. And I just, I kept seeing patients come back in over and over again. I said, you know, like, you know, what is it this time? Right. And it's not the patient's fault, it turns out. You've got to equip them. They don't know, you know, and mm-hmm. and I've got all this training and experience. That's my job as a physician, you know. I, I don't know. It's To me, it's like you're paying for a service, whether you're using your insurance or cash. You should expect something to be better because that's what a doctor's job is to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's purely, it, I mean, don't want to reduce medicine or health to business, but unfortunately, you know, I'm just very real about that. You know, I want help. I'm coming to you. So please help me, you know. Education. Yes, absolutely. You know, I, you should totally be able to get your money's worth. You should expect to feel better. You should expect more to be done for you if they don't get better. You know, this is, I, that's what my job is to do. You do a wonderful job at educating uh, people on your YouTube channel and your patients that come in to see you. And so um, speaking of your YouTube channel, it is Your Friendly Proctologist and your Instagram is the same, Your Friendly Proctologist. And then your website is crsurgeryoc.com. Yes, all my contact information, all the information out there is to help you you get better. 
you know. Yeah. And I'll put all these links uh, in the show notes so that those listening can go to the show notes and they'll be there for you to, um, to access as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm also available for online consultations as well. You just have to email me at yourfriendlyproctologist at gmail.com. Uh, full disclosure, there is a fee associated with it, but you know, there's people around the world that have been contacting me because they want second opinions. Right. Not a fee to email you, but a fee to, to have the, the video conference, correct? Yes. Correct. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up. Great. So yeah, I'll put all of that information in the show notes. Thank you so much, Dr. Chung, for joining me today and educating my listeners. It's something that needs to be talked about a little bit more. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm a hemorrhoid and anal fissure sufferer myself. And so I feel like, you know, you got to have, you know, to share that empathy with your patients is something that I truly value as well. So I find that, you know, this conversation and all, you know, my practice is super meaningful and super fulfilling. So I'm just, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me again. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Digest This. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let us know. If you're ever wondering how you can support me and this podcast, sharing it with your friends and family is the best way. This is a resonant media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McCone. To email the show, message us at digestthispod at gmail.com. See you next time. The content of this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical and mental health advice and does not constitute a provider-patient relationship. As always, talk to your doctor or health team first.